first person to put their consciousness in a computer i'm excited for it no this consciousness dies with his bodies my friend <laughs> <laughs> welcome jesus, to the after party jesus christ i oh, know i felt wrong hey hi hello welcome to the after party yay we have one it's been wow. so long i know uh, we haven't talked to each other for six months no we have not <laughs> two I'm... out of three of us are wearing tank tops and shorts and brandon is wearing a full button down <laughs> Even though we now work together and there's no dress code. I feel every day like I've just gotten out of bed and Rannon is about to go close a deal. <laughs> and jeans. I am wearing full pants. That's I, true. I'm going to close a deal, but like in a chill way. Like I'm going to come in and change everybody's minds. You're going to call everyone bruh? Bruv? We're going to revolutionize the synergy of the society constraints technology mm-hmm. force. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Radicalize. Yeah. Just disrupt, man. I'm going to disrupt everything. We are so excited to come back together after our extremely fun summer one-shots to answer some questions about the main story arc, about each other, about the process, looking forward, maybe some speculation. Um, We're really excited to do it. But first, I have to get out of the way. The elephant in the room. Eric, who the fuck is Derek? (laughs) Has Eric been an elephant this entire time? Derek has been an elephant this whole time. And right. I'm sorry, I do have to quote KitKat94 from the Discord. I'm not going to ask who is Derek, but rather, why is Derek? <laughs> I don't accept that as a question that we could legitimately answer. No, what do you I, mean? Who can say? <laughs> why does Derek exist? It became a running joke as we were recording Join the Party episodes that me explaining the game to my players and then me saying things to the characters themselves were kind of conflated. So it was right before Brandon liked to point out that I was in the story and then it became Derek, who is my invisible bard DM PC that I would have around with the party at all times. Right. You were inserting yourself into character moments when the characters were talking to each other when you cannot do that because you are a DM. But sir. I was telling you rules and Brandon was like, is Eric here? And I'm like, no, I'm Derek, obviously. Some of the reason why our play sessions are longer than the episodes that you end up hearing is because like Eric will explain something to us about a, an encounter or combat or something and then we will re-explain that in character because Eric is not like the Monty Python, like foot coming, God's foot coming out of the sky to right. crush people yeah. within the game. Genuinely, I don't remember this Derek joke at all. I don't remember it. Like, obviously I was there, but I don't remember at all. I think Brandon was like, who is telling me this? As Tracy was walking into no, a workshop. No, this is not what Derek, Derek came from when Anara and I were talking about something. We were whispering to each other and you were trying to like help us as players. So you decided to do like a character whisper voice in it. <laughs> so we were like whispering like, what the, what do we do? Blah, blah, blah. And you were like, maybe you should do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> who, the, who the fuck is that guy? And he's Derek, the invisible bard. And uh, KitKat would also like to know, is there any relation between this Derek and the Derek continually mentioned in ARCs? Uh, I don't listen to that podcast, so I would not. <laughs> Vicious. <laughs> Whoa, brutal. After all of the terrible shit, it was like, oh, ARCs' release plan was, let's drag Eric and join the party. That was their whole social media for several weeks. It's true. <laughs> we love Atypical. Miriam underscore 
WHY on Twitter would like to know, is there a single episode or scene that you feel was pivotal for your character or for Eric for any of the NPCs? Mm, That's a great question. I want to say this as a DM for me. I think I would say that the resolution of the Blackfish narrative was something that kind of went off the rails for me like you guys were like all right let's go to blackfish hq and fuck shit up and i'm like oh i've never planned that i did not build out that encounter i don't know what's going to happen there and i was really happy with kind of like the standoff that ended up happening between the three of you and then saving ev i think that all came together really nicely and i was proud of myself for growing as a dm that day I think my favorite is in that arc as well. I really loved Inara's encounter with Zubi. I think mm. it was just like, it was extremely fun to play. It was one of the first times, I think I mentioned this in that after party, where I felt like there was only one decision to make and it was like the thing that Inara would do. I wasn't like thinking about my options. I was just like, well, this is what she would try. And I think there's obviously like a funny tension between Inara wanting and not wanting to fuck shit up. And that arc, she also did make her first kill. So like it's it was truly like a, I don't know, like a real exercise in contrasts. But being able to talk to Zuby that way, I thought it was beautiful. It was like really the height of like role playing and like what that could mean to me. And for Inara, I think it was also a sort of moment where you realize that you don't always have to follow the script. Like you don't have to fight the monster that's in front of you. You can decide to do a compromise or to ask or to try something pacifist before you go in guns blazing. What were some of the Tracy moments? Screaming <laughs> this entire podcast is one Tracy moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, episode 49 is a big shift and will continue to be a big shift. There's the moment where he chopped Greg's leg off, which I think was a big moment in terms of character development and, like, plotting moving forward. Like, that was a big, like, oh, this is the thing I'm capable of, I don't want to do it anymore kind of thing. Those are good ones, honestly. That was also a turning point in the podcast when I'm like, again, when I realized, oh, they can just kill people who I like. No. You critted on that attack too, so you took out like two thirds of Greg's hit points because he was all he was level three and he's a squishy bard man. So you were just like chop, and yeah. then all of his leg came off. Yeah. Well, similarly, what is your favorite moment from each arc? Everybody, want to give us a little sampling? Oh man, I really enjoyed getting extremely flustered by Brink and Captain Alex and Cole <laughs> and others. That feels to be a, a pattern. It seems like <laughs> just the fluster and you like, yeah. I do, I do. And I really liked working with the speaker. Like, obviously, a lot changed in Hunting Party, sort of, like, taking over for her when she was incapacitated. That really felt like she was, like, the source of all wisdom. And so having to defend her instead of the other way around made me feel like, oh, man, like, things are really starting to accelerate. And similarly, working with Franny was just super fun. Like, she is such a great character. Like, having someone who, like was so secure in her answers, but her power is limited, you know? Like, we kind of knew the direction, but we still had to figure out how to get there. So that, for me, was fun as a role player. Like, I I know what I have to do, but how and exactly when and with whom I need to accomplish it is sort of like a fun puzzle. Yeah, I think different conflicts and encounters are what I remember the most. Like, the ship encounter in political party yeah all the, the way back oh, yeah. octopus yeah, yeah with the octopus and with uh being able to run a skill challenge like that it's very fun was just very fun the entire bone whale stuff i was really hyped about in pool party um the zoo cube in the bachelorette party that really didn't uh. come out that much because johnny just like kind of 
dealt with it very easily and just let it out and then it kind of attacked some stuff. But I spent a lot of time working on that monster. And then introducing Franny in Labor Party was one of my favorite things. Doing the Queer Eye in uh, Labor Party was... Mm. Another one where you guys, like, incapacitated a monster I spent a lot of time on. Like, that entire thing about hopefully being swallowed and eaten and then, like, being hungry and turning into the lion. That was something I spent a lot of time with. And then you guys were like, oh, let's take care of Vince. Vince needs help. I have two different minds when I'm approached the show because it's, like, one is a character mind and one is, like, editor mind. And, like, the things that always stick out to me are the ones that are, like, the emotional beats that were, like, really fun to score and, like, really fun to edit. And, like, yeah, so it was, like, the Zuby encounter was one of the things that always sticks out in my head. And a lot of the Labor Party stuff was always super fun because I got to sort of like take each episode as a discrete chunk and like do music that was just for that episode and do sound design that was just for that episode. And also uh, Salmon is good. Salmon is wonderful. Oh, I forgot about that. I was sitting on that for so long. This actually is a good segue into our favorite magic item we've gotten in the campaign. A question from Paul in the Discord. And for the DM, your favorite magic item that you've made that the players didn't end up acquiring. But it's a segue for me because it reminds me of my favorite moment in Pool Party where uh, we might or may not have turned a raccoon into a werewolf uh, <laughs> with the use of the, of the werewolf potion. That was my I was sitting on that for like 25 episodes and it was extremely exciting. I don't want to tell you about some of the items yet. We I don't Ooh. know if I'm going to reuse some of the stuff that was in Duvin Boosters. Maybe they'll be sprinkled throughout. Uh, the final arc. I, we might end up using it if you you get your hands on it, but I'll talk about that at the end. We'll we'll see. I I have my entire table. I will read out all of the items that you guys didn't end up using, but I will definitely tell you about it. I really love uh, an art of marbles. Were really fun. I know yeah. they don't really do much necessarily, mm. but they're always an interesting little like plot device to revolve around. Um, and I I think. It's kind of a testament to the item. It's like the long arm of the law is like just integrated it into my character so much that I don't even think about it anymore. Mm. But like that was an item that we just gave. And it's like that's just a part of the character now. And the shadow cowl. That's like my go to move in combat, which yeah. would make a lot of the things that we've accomplished not possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite item that I made is Mr. Sippy. 100%. Yeah. Also, the only reason you have Mississippi is because you rolled a nat 20 on lockpicking, which you've never done the entire podcast. That's sure true. And I'm like, well, all the entire water filling the uh, workshop trap totally uh, biffed it. Here's an amazing item I came up with. Like, <laughs> congratulations. Speaking of, um, this is from The Spammy on Twitter. Is there anything that anyone wished happened a bit differently? Like, if you could go back and change something, what would it be? As simple as taking one more bagel? laughing crying emoji or something more <laughs> dramatic i do wish that i just like roll perception in every room until eric is forced to like give me something interesting every time um or like rolling for food and just like finding food somewhere i going back would do more lulls yeah i think i would play better for sure <laughs> but um i wish i would do more which have like played into more of the detective stuff with tracy i think that was fun but now it's no longer really the character at all and I think the one that always sticks out to me is the Greg encounter, because I think when I did it, I was frustrated with the gameplay. So I was just like, fuck it, I'm killing Greg. <laughs> and I don't think that's necessarily what Tracy would have actually done. But I also didn't know Tracy that well yet at that point. Mm -hmm. It feels so. like something Tracy would have done. Tracy acts out of anger a lot, which is kind of part of his whole steeze. Yeah, I, I don't think it's out of character at all, but I don't know if I had like known the character as I do today, if I would have made that same choice. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily have one because anytime that I've made mistakes, it's kind of worked out in a different way. Oh, I have one. Jersh. <laughs> Jersh is my greatest creation, <laughs> and I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, I wish I had bought the D and D Beyond thing. D and D Beyond is the online portal for all the D and D stuff. And I know I was always looking for things, but sometimes when you're just flipping through a lot of the manuals, it gets really tiring. And I, sometimes I always would want to create my own stuff. And creating my own stuff has been really fun. And I really adjust things on the fly according to what the games say. But I know that there's so much stuff in D&D books that I could have reflavored or reskinned. And it would have probably saved me a lot of time. And then if I do it on D&D Beyond, I could have just searched for it. Then again, like coming up with my own shit is really fun. And... I've gotten a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of inspiration from this one, like, compendium called Monster a Day, which is a subreddit where people would just, like, come up with their own monsters. And then there's a, a giant, giant Google spreadsheet that I've been using. Um, and you can search by type and, and stuff. And I've been pulling a lot of things from that and, like, grafting it onto other monsters. I don't know. I feel like I've done a lot of research, but I wish I had used a lot more D&D lore to do it. Sure. Yeah. Question from Coogs on the Discord. Coogs. From start till now, what arc was your favorite to craft and build, Eric? And I would love to hear Brandon's thoughts on sound design, too. And which one surprised you the most as it unfolded and the jailbirds progressed through it? I think the thing that I had the most fun putting together was Bachelorette Party. I was like, all right, I'm going to put some constraints on this. You guys are going to be lost in this. We're going to make it a super reality show. Having you confront your doppelgangers also was my favorite thing. Just knowing that I was going to put things in front of you that was surprising. I will say... And Brandon doesn't edit this stuff out. I have not gotten any surprise from any of you. Not the players, not the guest players. Rude. What do you mean? You guys have been surprised, but you didn't go, what? Or, oh, you mean we never, didn't react? You oh. never reacted Listen, to me buddy, doing I thought, surprise things. I thought you were saying that we've never surprised you. And yeah, I was, I was like, like oh, no. have you met me, me as a no, player? No, no, no. <laughs> no you, have surprised, you all have done random ass shit that I've had to deal with. But I've never, it seems like I've never surprised anybody else like no one's been like oh shit i think it's because i can't speak for amanda i think for me it's because it's not that i'm not being surprised it's like i have my head in the game and i'm yeah. like just adjusting as quick as possible to oh, yeah. new things no 100 percent. like you don't like yell when a, a monster comes at you in a video game you just like dodge it right and that's yeah, yeah. always what i'm feeling during a session it's just like oh shit how do i deal with this thing now exactly at the end of an episode frequently like when you say the final line and then we all go burr, 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 i am often just like oh shit and like i can't wait because it's very often a cliffhanger mm. yeah i guess there's some things that i definitely put in that i thought that you guys would go oh shit about and then it just like doesn't come and i'm like oh i gotta raise the fucking stakes <laughs> so get ready this last arc oh, no. raise the fucking stakes i'm uh -oh. glad i think and i'm gonna i want to hear from you as just like your opinion as well but uh my favorite thing was labor party my favorite arc because it felt like seven or what are eight monster of the week episodes from mm -hmm. like x-files kind of thing and that meant, as I touched on it briefly earlier, but like it meant that I could discreetly sound design and compose for those individual episodes and not have to worry about the like length of the arc. And I think that was right about the time where I was sort of getting my sea legs of what I, what the show was and what it sounded like. So then, that was, that was like fun. a year and a half in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't feel that way, but huh. But what was your favorite arc? 
I was going to say Labor Party as well, because I didn't expect the structure of it to be that way. I mean, from the moment we landed in Chronopolis and then went into the Soup River and you were like, man, explain Soup River. And I was God. like, oh, no. Like, the Soup that, River. Soup River? Soup River? There, I so want to say good. something about Soup River. So I have this distinct memory of going to Broadway shows with my grandma. And I don't know for anyone who's not familiar with New York City, a, in, there's like an, an ecosystem that survives around shows and the theaters and like people being hungry before and after Broadway shows. So I have this really distinct memory of going to this place called Pasta Break with my grandma. <laughs> and it was just like pasta, like everywhere. And I assume now I'm thinking back pasta on it. Pasta tables, pasta chairs, pasta ceiling fans. Brandon, shut the fuck up. You know what I'm talking about. It's just like it's this accessibility of just like, here, have pasta, go to your show. And I felt that way about Soup River. I'm like, there needs to be next to this opera house. There needs to be a place that people go to just to get soup immediately and then get the fuck out of there and go to the opera. Soup makes sense to me before a show, but like pasta before a show, you're going to fall asleep before intermission. Brandon, 100%. You're, <laughs> you got it. So that's what Soup River was in my head. That's beautiful. It, it very much was modeled off of Yo Sushi in uh, the UK <laughs> for me. Anyway, but no, Labor Party was great for me. I loved the different uh, mechanics. I loved all the NPCs we met. I wanted to like immerse myself in each universe of each labor all the time. Like I want to know what Vince is up to. I want to know the deal with that hat factory and like is the environment okay? You know, like I I just loved each of them so much and never wanted to leave. In the way that like a great short story book feels that way, where it feels like perfectly long enough the plot arc, but the environment hopefully is rich enough that you can pause after each short story and continue to imagine what that would have been like. And I think the sound design definitely um, made that feel even realer. Well, shout out to Jeff, Ev, and Connor for all of the help that you gave with me. I mean, a lot of that stuff, I would never have been able to pull off the opera and the depth the opera of... opera so, so good. good. There's so many theater kid jokes from Connor and <laughs> it me. It's really so good. Is. I'm not a theater kid, and I like that was my one of my favorite episodes of this entire series. It was wild. So good. And all the, the backstory of the Harvest Festival and the Hat Factory that Ev put together, like... I don't know if you've, if you've been reading the NPC backstories, but one of those was the poem that Ev put together that was like motherfucking rhyme of the ancient mariner about the, the, the goddess and the woman who saved everyone from bandits. And like that was the entire basis of this dumb festival that you guys ignored and went to a hat factory and just hung out with instead. So I really appreciate that. All the stuff that, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to pull off a lot of that without Jeff's construction of the Labyrinth of Dawn Rise to begin with, and then being able to jump off and deal with the character stuff that we had to do. And if you want to buy... <laughs> and if you want to buy these wonderful write-ups... Where of, can I find it, Eric? Where you can, can I find it? You can go to bit.ly slash labor party modules and spell it like the Americans do. Modules, plural. I didn't know there were two spellings. What are the second spelling? Well, there's a U in labor. Oh! I, I was thinking <laughs> modules. I was like, what the fuck? Where's the U going modules? <laughs> Oh, I'm so dumb. <laughs> All right, next question. Speaking of sound design, a few questions. Mikey asks how long mixing the episodes takes, and Quiet Shell asks how Tracy's voice is made. So, um... This is Brandon's sound design corner where he tells us things, where he looks at a computer for a very long time. So there's a couple steps, right? <laughs> First, you cut off anytime your co-hosts sing. Uh-huh. And then, um, so... Like, yeah, I think that like the layperson just thinks like editing or mixing is like the just like encompasses everything. But what the steps are really are like you record the thing, you edit the thing, 
you know, so by edit, you mean cut out all the like words and pauses and, you know, repeats that we don't want making it into the final. Exactly. And story edit a little bit. So like if there's a scene that doesn't end up going anywhere because we were just exploring some random cavern for no reason and takes 40 minutes, I'm going to cut that scene. But um, that only only happened once or twice, I think. But yeah, so we edit or I edit and then I next do the mixing, which basically just gets everything nice in line and sounding good. Um, and then I do the sound design pass. So I'll listen to the whole thing on my headphones and take notes and then go back in and do all the, so there's ambience, there's sound effects, and there's like drones. Ambience being like the grasshoppers that make you look behind you and see if there's a bug in your room. Yep. The, uh, sound effects like a cannon, right? Or like mm-hmm. jumping or something Individual that you want to score. Yep. And then, um, what are drones? So drones are like, I don't use them a ton, but like, so, like, if you think ever think of, like, a TV show or a movie where, like, it was a tense moment or a spooky moment, it's, like, that, like, low underlying sound that's, like, like tells you yeah. that something's yeah. tense. Hmm. Um, and you can do it with music, too, but sometimes I just I want to do it with drone. And then I'll bounce that and do another listen through of the entire thing to make sure everything sounds good and also take notes on music. And then I will go, I'll know, like, hey, I want, like, four music cues in this episode. And this one should sound spooky. This one should sound mysterious. And this one should sound neutral or whatever and then i'll go write those and that has a whole process of composition mixing mastering editing all that stuff and then i take that final file and then mix it back into the episode so all in all if i'm doing like my best work probably 30 hours an episode seems right just go to patreon.com slash show the party pod so to support Brandon as he works for yeah. three hours. You might be like, yeah, it's a fun D&D podcast, whatever. They don't need my money. Yeah. But this is part of the reason why we took the summer break, because doing a show that is a full-time job for like two-thirds of the team is a lot of work. And we wanted to be able to have time to, you know, just literally have more time per episode to like get it sounding the way we need it to sound, to have preparation for Eric's gameplay, for all of us to like take a little bit of a vacation and like come back excited. We actually had a question from Haney in the Discord about um, whether or not it like feels like work to role play now, like whether we come into work and we don't necessarily want to record and like, do you have to do it? And that definitely happens sometimes. Like sometimes you're just, your mind is elsewhere or you're really tired or we have like a bunch of stressful phone calls you know in like all sides of our recording it's no longer like we show up at brandon's house and we spend all of sunday you know like having bagels and playing D. so it's a lot and as you can tell hopefully from the way it sounds it's all super worth it but we want to make sure we put out the best thing that we can i was thinking about this the other day because it's like yeah th- well that's all definitely true i think the thing that's shifted most for me is the naturalness of being able to do it at this point mm. like i'm confident that i can role play now that's never been really the case mm. until like six months ago or so. That's fair. I think that it was also like the relationship between the DM and the players on a microphone is different than just in a game. Because then in, really in a game, it's just like, hey, don't be shitty. You can be as as random as you want and I will respond. I kind of dream about that sometimes. Like, wow, just playing D&D for fun <laughs> and not to make something good. <laughs> this is actually, well, that's actually kind of part of it because I don't want anyone to feel like they're restricted and on rails. But then it became a lot of conversations about like, hey, I need you to help me move the story forward. Right. Being a player, there's a very careful difference between like not throwing everything 
wildly in the air, but like making bold choices to move things forward and like totally. and having intent about those things. And like we've had to talk about a lot of that stuff. Let's talk about this Greg stuff because that happened a long, long time ago. That made us all stop and we had to stop recording to talk about what to do. Because I'm like, Brandon, you just you're trying to kill one of my NPCs. Yeah, I think that's the real difference that I've been discovering between like real like pro level RPGers at this point, like crit roll people, like the players themselves know how to push story forward mm-hmm. alongside the DM and they're not combative in a weird sense with the DM. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really like doing. Like that's, I have trouble playing, you know, home games now. Cause it's like, I am as a player trying to push the DM to push the more story forward. Cause I want to get to more exciting places and some characters, some players might just like want to check out a tree for 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. And I think the end of episode 49 really speaks to our growth as a team in that way. Because can you imagine if in the first arc, Tracy like threw a role in order to attack Inara? Like I would be personally <laughs> offended probably and like not know how to deal and be thrown off and, and weird and shaken. But we have now, you know, two and a half years in like a, a trust and a rapport in each other and also in our process where I'm like, fuck yeah, like let's make interesting choices and like deal with it. You know, I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah, I think that's also super borne out in the practical side of things too where it's like nowadays i'm like y'all we have to stop at an hour and a half because if we go any longer this episode's going to be an hour and a half long yeah, yeah. Real. it's like it's almost one-to-one at this point in editing it's like i can get down like 20 or 30 minutes just from like retakes and ums but the rest of it's like solid versus and we so, used to play like three hours to get one yeah like, we, hour long episode. at least at least two hours sometimes more and then we get down to 45 minutes to an hour which yeah. is like not the case at all anymore real Sorry, bloops. We try. <laughs> I feel really good also about the relationships and the conflicts that each of the individual characters dealt with. I like this entire Tracy wrestling with his Warforged past and now Warforged present. I like Anara's like figuring out how to be a person and figuring out what it means to be an assassin, what it means to be a good person. And then with Johnny, it was all about him wrestling with his god. And I feel like that was a big part of the world itself. Johnny getting the the undying light and the shadow and the gods themselves like are real things and they're they're trying to deal with everything that's happening in the concentric states and things that are getting pulled apart and re reestablished. So I'm I'm happy that I've given everyone like hooks of their own and uh, everything is very intertwined at this point and I think that we're going to hit a lot of that in the arc. And like the undying light is still there and dealing with stuff. Like just cuz Johnny's there doesn't mean yeah, the undying light. It's light's... not a mug being drunken by a but yeah, like the fact that the but... undying light can be harnessed as energy is like a big fucking deal. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. And I, I do think like a lot of Johnny's journey was around kind of here on Earth, like mortal obligations versus immortal obligations mm-hmm. and like the, the things that you think about that are sort of bigger than you and, and off of this plane. Um, so even though like Johnny's journey is over in the show, the undying light persists and like we can still kind of reckon with the consequences of that being such a formative influence on our first few arcs. Um, and I love that it's still around. I love that it's kind of bigger and weirder and more powerful and more dangerous than we thought it was originally. Like undying light is not contained in a book, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> um. For everyone who's been saying things about how they're crying from Johnny's death 
for everything. I want you to know this was it was definitely difficult for all of us to do when we've talked about it. But like the respect of of the work that Brandon and I put in to making that, I've I felt that a lot. Like I wrote that scene between Johnny and the Undying Light, and I'm really proud of how it went. And I think that Misha has did a really good job as the Undying Light, as a, a prophetic person. And of course, now we don't have the conduit, so we don't hear Misha anymore, which is a bummer. But I'm really happy with how that all came through and the fact that you are feeling things is bittersweet, obviously, but I'm going to focus on the sweetness. So thanks. I I appreciate that. And that was some of the most difficult to do, but very rewarding sound design and music stuff I got to play with in that episode. I think for all of us, the top priority was making sure that this is meaningful in the story, that the audience gets something good out of it, that it has like emotional impact without being emotionally exploitative. And that is really fucking hard to do as a creator. So I'm really proud of how that went. We have so much more to talk about. I have so much more questions to answer. Like we have so much more to explore. Absolutely. So let's do another question then. Whoa. Whoa, what a segue. (laughs) Brandon, do you know what Tracy wrote on the paper at the memorial? This is a question from Starlight's Wait in Discord. We never shared what our characters wrote on those papers. Intentionally so. Um, Right. Yeah, I don't, I might have an idea of what like me, Brandon would imagine Tracy the character writing, but no, yeah, I, I, I intentionally so I want you to imagine what it is. Yeah. Me we, too. We're also like very, this is something that I'm a sucker for and I put into my own goddamn world. Letters and writing things down is very important in our world. Um, so like the letters between Alonzo and Greg were always a really big deal. So like the fact that you guys wrote something down and threw it into a fire or communicated to like a different realm was always really emotional for that. So I really like that. And from Michelle in the Discord, what are the biggest changes that we've seen in our characters since the first arc? Are there any you really like and are proud of and any that we dislike or regret? I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I really like the arc of Tracy. I think he's a super interesting character. I think, I don't know if I would have changed this or not. I think it's sort of integral to the character. But like in the beginning, it's a little bit like, not slapsticky, but like slapsticky. A little overly punchy, I think. And he's, you know, plays a little bit into that, like, robot stereotype a little bit. And I would have liked to push off that a little bit more or subvert that a little bit more. But I think the arc of Tracy as a, as a character is super interesting to me as a human. Um, that sort of, like, search for, for family and not knowing that an option is found family. Like, that is really tugs at my heartstrings. Yeah, I think same for me. I do wish that Inara's character growth was a little bit accelerated like I was obviously getting my feet under me as a player and as a role player and even as a podcaster so I feel like if we were to do it again now it would be kind of more accelerated and maybe we would see her be a little more fully developed by the end of the story but I am really proud of it and looking back like there are some really embarrassing parallels between like coming from worlds you know really well where everyone knows you where you have a big family and you kind of know your place and then striking out on your own and similar to Tracy trying to find like a point of view, trying to find confidence, trying to find um, your lane, like trying on kind of different professions and different like roles to play in a group and then deciding that the right fit for you is a mix of all of them. That There's no one, you know, well-trodden path that's going to fit you precisely. Like that is what I've been struggling with over the last three years. And I think as happens to a lot of people, really often you sort of play something out in the art that you make or in the games that you play before you notice that it's a thing in your own brain. So I feel a little uh, embarrassed in myself that I didn't like realize that a little bit sooner, but (laughs) it's definitely true. We 
have a few uh, plot questions, Eric, to ask you hit and me, to have me. you answer. Okay. What and why? Oops. <laughs> Jersh. Whence? Wherefore? <laughs> I love Jersh. I can't believe I didn't use his voice earlier. I would have cut it out from the podcast immediately. I- incorrect. That's not true. <laughs> So uh, let's start with Bachelorette Party. So what exactly did the gym do? Like what effect did it have on the characters and why? Right. It was just making Johnny super aggro. It was there was supposed to be like just an aggro field in the gym itself, which would have pushed drama, which, of course, is very Bachelor Bachelorette. It's kind of like rudimentary of my understanding of, of reality shows at that point. But I thought it would have been a fun thing just to realize like, oh, this is happening to you. Unfortunately, Johnny had a really high charisma and kind of just like shrugged it off. But it would would have made him like very combative. Actually, no, that uh, it, it ended up translating. Like, didn't he like? Yeah, yeah. He blasted Kevin vacation, so that's what happened. From Kipka, are the Bumblades a homebrewed creature, or are they official D and D creatures? A hundred percent from my brain. If so good. This, How are was, they not? I it, want big hummingbirds to ride and also to <laughs> pet. They're bumble eights or bumble eights. Bumble eights. So it's, it is from the word bombolate. It is a literal word. It means to buzz. And I looked it up on on thesaurus.com, which I've bookmarked because I'm a fucking nerd. (laughs) And I always thought it was a great word. So, (laughs) oh, I got Brandon. There Uh, he is. You fucking nerd. (laughs) So it was supposed to be this magical post when I thought that it was going to be more of like a high fantasy sort of world. But I've done this thing called like pop culture fantasy, where I kind of flip between high and low and then drop whatever sort of pop culture or modern anachronisms I want just to like move things forward. But now it becomes like Stoneface's posse, which I like just as much. I also wanted Bombolates or like other winged creatures to be flying around in different cities. And I never really got around on that. But like Bombolates were supposed to be this like, not like pet, very much like carrier pigeon, like a fantasy carrier pigeon. And They're I like very the large in my head, though. How no, long? they are. They're okay. like as big as uh, as a bird of prey. Yeah, okay, like up from a bird of prey to a turkey. Giant hummingbirds, off white. I don't remember if anyone remember that, but I always imagine them as like not being colored. I always hmm. like that, like grayscale in with stone face. Exactly. Tobias asks, how do you deal with all the libraries you present? Do you have some sort of (laughs) DM table with interesting books? I always blank when people ask to search for books in my libraries. I'm says Tobias. I'm just a big idiot and real keep forgetting that libraries are things that have a lot of titles. (laughs) I guess I it's also like a simple an easy plot device and an easy way to communicate like secrets or information. So it could be like a stat boost, like the Robomancy books that they found. It could be like a, a piece of information, like what uh, Nara looked for, uh, stuff about Chronopolis. Libraries have everything. So you can put whatever you want in the library. Um, you can also have different types of libraries. We had the one, like a personal library. We had the one in the university that Tracy went to and Chad scared off all of the terrible librarians who were running around. You can have like an archive, like what we had at the end of Hunting Party. So just like libraries are good places to learn information and D&D is all about learning information. So it's more like communicating what you want to get across and like you can have them roll to do a perception and figure out what they get. You don't need a table just make things up if you want them to get something nonsensical. But if you want to communicate plot, have a title. Give them something. Does this world have antidotes to permanent potions? <laughs> Elizabeth is concerned about the forever lycanthropy potion and says that's pretty awful. Even if the person cursed, it's a bad guy. We never really got there. I don't think anyone's been cursed with anything or been immutably changed in that way. There, I put the werewolf potion in there to see what would happen if anyone would do it to another person. And it probably would have led us down a totally different path and I would have given them like undoing the spell in some sort of way. But 
I assume it'll it might be pretty difficult. Man, I'm glad I don't have that potion because I would have used it in two seconds. Yes, yes, you would have. <laughs> yeah, you would. Uh, what happens if you use a lycanthropy potion on a werewolf? Well, they become a wolf at all times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eric, do you have a thing for people eating magic? Asks Pan. <laughs> First, Franny eating light crystals. Now, moths making people eat books and then casting spells. What's the deal? Yeah, Eric. Explain yourself. First of all, this came from Tracy. I'm blaming Brandon because if he came up with this running joke that Tracy can't eat things, but he kept eating things. I can eat things. I can't taste things. No, you can't eat. And then the, the, we've been saying it was like Futurama rules. Like you would eat something, but it would come out like in your carapace. Yeah. You two kept saying that. I kept saying, <laughs> no, that's not how that works. Please stop saying that. And you said, oh, Brandon's so funny. Oh, Brandon's wrong. I think that... People eating things that are not proper food is extremely funny to me. <laughs> and just like doing it because one, you think it's better than regular food or doing it because you're under a thrall of something are just like very good reasons. And I find them very funny. Um, being under the moth's control, that was a another one. I know that like I kind of got lost in the shuffle there, but being able to use the that swarm that infected other people uh, was a monster thing that I was really excited about. And Theta Tag asks, how do you keep your NPC voices straight? Do you have like notes that make you jog your memory to recreate a unique voice, etc.? And then use the pineapple DM Eric emoji that we have in our Discord. Drag them! <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of different voices. <laughs> I think that each voice is tied to each character. And I feel when I, I've talked about character creation a little bit, but it's like, I need defining details about their personality or what they do or who they are. And then the voice comes after. The only time I ever start with a voice is when I want to do something intentionally very funny, like Jersh's voice, for example. I was just like, no matter what is with this guy, he's going to sound like this. So, like, gruff people sound like gruff people. Greg is, like, pretty highfalutin. Zuby, very big, deep-voiced. Chad is both human and inhuman, that very uncanny valley. So he talks like a Japanese dub. Um, <laughs> and we sometimes prompt you with, like, a catchphrase for that character. Like, Franny is like... Oh, yeah, all I wear is caftans these days. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Chad's like, slime it! <laughs> I'm human! My name is Chad! Uh, Franny is very simple for me. She's just, like, very gruff in the back of my voice. I have, a ver I have an affinity for, like, female coded characters for sounding like that. I find it very, very funny. <laughs> uh, so I really wanted Franny to sound like Long Island, like, ten packs a day sort of woman. Speaking of, I didn't answer where Tracy's voice comes from. Speaking of voices. Oh, and how you do it. Yes. Yeah. Tracy feels great. Well, I was going to say, because like for Zuby and other characters like that, like I try to accentuate some of that a little bit. Sure. Um, when it's worth it, like worth the time. But like for Zuby, yeah, like I, I'll EQ it a little differently and like bring out some of the low end so it sounds boomier. That's um, like an Instagram filter for sound. So you yeah. can make the highs higher, the lows lower. You can add some warmth or take away warmth. Right, exactly. Yeah. And like for Tracy, it's a couple different things, but like it's a basically I tried to emulate almost like a megaphone. Like, because mm. that's sort of, I was, or like a bad speaker and like a toy robot kind of thing. But it's like some distortion, some like delay. I was imagining those like old analog 80s robots that are just like twist and let go kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but he's still human, so he still has my voice underneath it. It's really funny seeing Brandon do Tracy voice because sometimes I do it back to him because it's just like it's this one cadence and sound pitch that you just need to hit that does all of these other things. Right. So, And then we have to do it to each other. And we're like, Tracy feels great. <laughs> ah! 
you whenever you do Tracy, you do a mix of Tammy and Taylor and Tracy. I'm never quite that. No, Tracy, Tammy and Taylor are Tracy feels great. I'm gonna do whatever I want. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, Tammy, that Taylor. Said, that Tammy, Tammy Taylor. Taylor. Good thing I don't have to do Tracy. <laughs> Got a few nuts and bolts questions here. So from Joey in Discord, what level are Inara and Tracy pre-final arc? Inara is a level 12 rogue. She ended hunting party at level 10. And then we, uh, having gone through a bunch of shit and in the interim, um, leveled up to 12. Yeah. Tracy on a summer break just like chilled so hard that he gained two levels. Summer Tracy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, his board shorts were very on point. So Eric gave him two levels. So now he's uh, level 12 total, um, six in Barbarian and six in Artificer. And I'm not using that dumb new Artificer sheet that came out. I think I'm it's using so the funny. old one. It is so funny for us doing a Dungeons and Dragons podcast while D&D as like an entity has decided to like spin up their creativity so much. <laughs> so it's like we're behind the eight ball so much. So it's like Tracy is this very old world version of an Artificer. Which makes sense. And I kind of like like, hi, I'm an Artificer. I shoot guns and I build things. Yeah. And I exactly. like that more. I do too. It's like more uh, Wild Westy. I like it. Yeah. Speaking of Summer Tracy, I, Amanda, really need to know if Tracy had like loudly printed tank tops, what would his favorite be? I think in ours would be knives. I think Tracy goes stripes. I think mm. he just goes horizontal stripes. Fair. And then printed shorts. Okay. So what's um, the what's the cheeky print on the short? Uh probably all the favorite foods that he like like he wants to put off the the air of being human, so they're all of his quote unquote favorite foods mm-hmm. that, that quote unquote taste the best, right? So it's like pizza and like pineapples. And like maybe there's frogs, and he's like, "Yeah, frogs are great." <laughs> Alonzo would have a tank top that's like really block printed, just like one like massive pattern. Yeah. But I've, I imagine it's like gold coins. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And here's one from uh, underscore Michael Sean on Twitter. When Zayol broke out of the compass, since it was a fragment of Zayol, at that time were there two Zayols in existence, or did he coalesce into one being? Great fucking question. I don't know. This is something that we've had to toy with a lot, as that a god is both the entity of the god and the the literal person or the existence of a god who you can talk to. So I would say it's pieces, and each piece is like connected to the whole, but then they coalesces back. You only take your piece if it's stuck in a thing. So Zeol was stuck in the compass, and the piece of Devar was stuck in the paperweight. So it is a piece of the larger whole, and of course the larger whole is infinite, so you can have infinite pieces. It's not like, this isn't like a Horcrux situation. This is like That's various pieces of a ever-existing, expanding in all directions god that can coalesce to a person with personalities and what we understand for humanity and stuff. Very, very, like, Greek god-esque. I'm really looking forward to making Zeul into two pieces, mm-hmm. specifically one where his head is separate from his body. With your battle axe there, bud. I Listen, I have said, <laughs> if you really want to do that, I have set up a path for you to do that. You're already on it, bud. I'm not going to give you any more. But if you think real hard, there is a way for you to do that. Does it have to chop off my own head when he's in my head? Oh, no. Oh, no. Harry. Azo58 in Discord asks how we would dance to the JTP theme, like, as people. And then Kipia on Discord asked about your inspiration, Brandon, for the theme song and says that it fits the show really well. So wondering if you were thinking about that when you made it, et cetera, et cetera. So why don't you tell us your inspiration for it? And then we will tell you how we would dance to it. Beautiful, because Brandon don't dance. Uh. He does the robot. (laughs) Beep boop. 
He's like a he's like a footloose town. <laughs> I'm a singular footloose town. You are a singular you. footloose town. <laughs> AKA you don't dance. I'm gonna go but change teenagers my, within you do. I'm gonna go change my Twitter profile. And say, <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I hate that a lot. Okay, it's very good. So inspiration for the theme song, yeah. So I know my limitations as a composer, and one of them, um, I'm not super good at making catchy melodies. So, and I know that like for a theme song, you really want to make a catchy melody because I want you to dance to it and sing to it and think about it. So actually, I didn't write this theme song. I arranged it. I got a lot of the samples from this place called the Converse Rubber Tracks Library, Sample Library. And it's um, it's a cool program that the shoe company Converse does. But basically, I knew what I wanted. So I was looking for something that the music theme will transport you into the world and out of the world. So it's like an amuse-bouche into the world to say, like, I'm going to whet your appetite. We're going to get excited about going into our fantasy land. And then it's a tension reliever at the end. So when things get super dramatic, the theme song plays and you can finally exhale. Um, that's the idea of it. And then, yeah, I also just want like, like in terms of like marketing, like every time you hear that do, 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 I want you to think of our show. I also intentionally wanted it to sort of stand apart from the show itself. Like it's a theme song for the podcast, not a theme song for the world mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. yeah. So it was the cover art and the name for that matter. Right. We're not like jailbirds in fantasy land we are join the party whatever's happening at the party you're not quite sure but you're gonna like it we promise right, exactly and also in the naming of the arcs and all the copy that we've written like it's supposed to invite you in but it really doesn't have anything to do with what the story we're telling right all right so how do y'all dance like a jellyfish i go do 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 then i bump my head from side to side and i move my arms around and i point at brandon who's not dancing <laughs> so just eric <laughs> dancing at all times Yes. <laughs> I do that thing where you like collect the money from like the left and then from the right. From you know? the trees that the money, the money is growing trees. on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like picking apples from the left, picking apples from the right. <laughs> That's how I would do it. You tell me, listener, how would you dance? Text 555. <laughs> <laughs> do 01 if you dab. Do 02 for Ruben Stutter. <laughs> Violet Jack asks, my friends want to make a Monster of the Week podcast out of our campaign, but they don't really get how much work goes into it. Short version, how'd you know starting GTP was a good idea? <laughs> and uh, related, Rob asks for recording advice for their own show. We've talked a little bit about our goal for the show and how much like pre-production and thought and testing and like scrapping out a bad pilot we did. Yeah. So guys, what do you think? Like, how do you know doing this was a good idea? The I'm going to say the opposite right now is that like, don't make a D&D podcast unless you have a very, very good reason. Like, you need to be able to stand out and think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. I think, yeah, exactly. Ask yourself why you want to do it. Are you just like, oh, man, our game is so fun and I want other people to hear it. Like, I don't know if that's a really fully complete reason to start a podcast. It's not. And why do your friends make this a part of your lives every week or every other week? Like, if it's to see each other, to get together, to have fun, and it's freaking so awesome you want to share it, like, that's pretty great. And it sounds like you're doing the things that you've set out to do. Like, we didn't do this to have fun and become better friends, and that was a nice consequence. We did this because we wanted to make a podcast. And, like, we started from that point of view. The initial impetus of this was Eric and I were slightly tipsy at a, a happy hour work event, and we were just like, we can do this better and want to do this better and loudly yelling at each other about 
the fact that we could do this podcast better than else. Not that we like love D and D and want to make a cool story. It was like we want to make a goddamn good podcast that people are going to enjoy. Mm. Yeah, but similarly, if you want to collaborate with your friends, if you're feeling creatively unfulfilled, maybe in the other yep. constellation of like art and school and and work and whatever that you have, like that's why we started Spirits because Julia and I felt unfulfilled. We wanted an excuse to see each other more. Um, maybe doing a you know D and D campaign would have been similarly nice, but for both of us, it was important to produce something and to you know get to know podcasting and podcasters better. Yeah. So you yeah. know think about your motives and if you want to continue playing your Monster of the Week campaign and then start a informal webcomic and see how it goes from there, do it. Or you want to start like a friendship bracelet side business with your friends. You know, there's lots of lots of ways, but you have to kind of ask one question deeper and not just like, oh, we could make a podcast out of this. But like, what are we trying to do? How can we get there? What's the right combination of projects and fun and relaxation and like getting our goals and with who that would make the most sense for you? There's also there's podcasts that have less amount of literal like yeah. hours of work and people needed to make it function than a D&D podcast. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of many that have more work involved. <laughs> no, <laughs> like that's real. Absolutely not. Maybe like some really intense audio fiction, but that's about it. Yeah. And from Rob, how about some recording advice for my own show? There's a lot to go into that. Like, you know, we could talk a full hour about that by itself, but I don't know. I always go like, I think the best advice is like, just go as simple as possible like get the technology out of the way so you can think about story and having fun and making a good show i think a lot of musicians fall into this trap too of like home musicians where it's like oh well if i only had this plugin or if i only had this software then i would make good music it's like no like you can make good music with like a shitty guitar and a bad microphone so like focus on the music not the equipment so yes while you do need to eventually level up to get to the like professional tier of podcasting like first and foremost make a good show and like if you need to pilot your episode on your iphone pilot your episode on your iphone Uh, maybe don't put it out maybe re-record it later or something but like work on your story first i feel like the circumstances of me starting spirits was really useful where i had like a lot of time at my desk before julia and i then had like only 45 minutes together to record the episode at night so we ended up doing a lot of like pre-production which if you're going to read one article on podcasting read multitudes article on pre-production because we go through like everything that you need to know that's like super crucial but point being like set out an outline like you know how the recording is going to go you're set up in the morning before you know you get there for me one of the best experiences of joining the party that i've learned is how important it is to have like a nice and relaxed environment to kind of facilitate your creativity, your artistry, your flow. And Brandon is really good at this. So like have a nice lamp, don't have overhead lighting, you know, like yeah. make the space comfortable, get your favorite beverage, like take a, a, you know, bio break in the middle of the recording. So just make it a, a nice experience as if you're kind of having like an Antover or something, you know, like make it special for yourself. And just those little touches help get the best out of the people who are there. And like, that's the thing that's most precious is the time when all of you are in the same room recording. And from there, you know, you can do a lot in editing beforehand. You can do a lot in pre-pro, but just trying to make that time really count will help you not get burned out and not get frustrated when inevitably something goes wrong in the room, like me losing a full episode of Spirits because of like a recording problem. Yeah, totally. Auntie Podcast is coming over to visit. Put out the clotted cream. (laughs) Maybe it'd be fun to do some sort of articles about more one-on-one tech stuff from the perspective of that. Yeah. Like learning tech to get out of the way so you can do the things about. So that should space. 100% be written. This yeah. is the only one you actually know so that you can make your fucking podcast. Yeah. I love that. That's good. And how about we close out with a few memes, gentlemen? Let me check my Twitter profile. Uh, 
Oh, no, I hate memes. I'm sorry. Oh, I knew it. Brandon does hate memes. Would you rather answer thorny questions about the future of the podcast that we don't know or memes? <laughs> <laughs> Genuine question. We can do, we can do one to let's one. Let's try a meme. Let's do one for one. Let's yeah, do, let's do one for one. Great. Uh, will the next arc feature fabulous guest hosts from Lax in the Discord? Probably not. As we've recorded the majority of them so far, it's just been the three of us in the room just to facilitate storytelling and like this is Anara and Tracy's story. Like, it's also so dense in terms of the amount of stuff we're fitting into each episode that I think having a guest host to play with was super important for Hunting Party. I don't know if it would have a place in the final arc as yet unnamed. Yeah, from my opinion, it's like it's nice that we're sort of scaling back and focusing on our two arcs for this. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that we don't have characters in this. The first episode that I finished editing recently uh, has something like. 20 plus NPC voices. I had to reintroduce what happened. I mean, it was wild. I, I had to do a lot of goddamn character work for both of you. Yeah. So there will be not a lack of characters in this. They'll just all be voiced by me. Yeah. New characters, too. I'm introducing new NPCs at episode 50 because I hate myself. Well, time for a meme break. Joey asks <laughs> Who would you, players, characters, or NPCs, like to throw cold spaghetti at? Just the noodles, no sauce. Cold and a little <laughs> damp. It doesn't have to be a mean thing. I want to throw it at Tracy wait, all wait, the time. What is it not a mean thing to throw cold spaghetti at For someone? For example, I would very gently underhand lob it at my sister's dog, Coda, who would, I think, find it delightful. Okay, then I'll give it to Oatcake. <laughs> Good. Sometimes I want to put Tracy in his place and I would just toss some cold spaghetti at him. Well, here's the thing that you it's don't like know about Tracy. like a spray bottle with a dog. Yeah, right. <laughs> here's the thing you don't know about Tracy is he can sort of unhinge his body to accept cold spaghetti and then close oh, it no. back up. And I'd be like, cool thing. I wish you'd use that during the podcast. <laughs> Shane in the Discord asks, have you considered doing other RPGs or are you planning on sticking with D&D? As we examine what's going to happen at the end of this story, I would love to stay with Dungeons & Dragons. Maybe we'd reskin it for a different genre, but... I don't think that other RPGs facilitate making a podcast. I think we're all kind of on alignment on that. Dungeons and Dragons gives you rules of your world and you can make whatever world you want with inside of it. It's very much a sandbox. Yeah. It's not a field. It's a sandbox. The sandbox has boxes is a box for a reason because it keeps the sand in. Wow. And similarly, Lee asked if we've considered a non fantasy setting for our next campaign, like modern sci fi, something else. Um, I don't know what we're doing next. I'm not saying that I'm DMing it, but my favorite Genre is magic realism, so I would love to do a modern day campaign with reskin Dungeons and Dragons, and then figure out a, a magical realism thing that might be a superhero sort of thing. It might be a mutant sort of thing. I'm not exactly sure what it could be, but it's something that I've been turning around in my head. That's fun. Yeah, I like. I'm, I'm reading Neverwhere right now mm. uh, by mm. Neil Gaiman, and like that kind of stuff really intrigues me too. Yeah, or like a Scott Westerfeld. Like he wrote a bunch of standalone YA novels before mm. he did the Uglies trilogy, and they were all really good magical realism. I kind of like things that are modern because then I can't tell you like, oh, that doesn't happen in my world. Like, let's <laughs> yeah. just all exist in the same goddamn world. And then you can be like, yeah, I take out my cell phone and I call my mom. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, good. You have a cell phone because yeah. you're a person. That'd be cool from like an audio design perspective too. Like, you know, how do you reflect the world in a way that's like a little bit through the looking glass? Yeah, that's fun. Meme break. Varmit asks if the party members, <laughs> if the party members slash NPCs were animals, what would they be? Definitely not for fan art. Nope. I had an image of Inara as a chipmunk, but I think the real answer is that she would be like a small wolf. Tracy, I, I don't know. I think an ostrich. 
An ostrich is very good. I, I think do that's like true. that a lot. Well, an ostrich is deceptively dangerous too. Right. Looks looks ridiculous. Real <laughs> really very powerful. Large eggs. Yeah. Well, you know, we, Tracy. I want to do this rapid fire, so just like throw NPCs at me. Okay, uh, Greg. Uh, Greg is a cat who just like lays in the sun and then jumps up and then like snarls at you when you get too close. Alonzo. Uh, Alonzo is, he's definitely the dog in the relationship, but he's like a small dog. Like uh, like a dachshund. He's Cute. but a long a long haired dachshund. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Brink. Brink is like, I think Brink is a flamingo. She's very like canonically pretty in my head. And she like, but she doesn't like examine the things that are around her. She's like, oh, I've always stood on one leg. Like whatever, man. Chad. Chad is an elephant, but he's the elephant in the room. <laughs> oh. Tammy Taylor? Tammy Taylor are, they're too rambunctious to actually be lizards. I feel like <laughs> no, it's like I those stories. But I think it's those stories you see on the news. It's like 10,000 lizards take over a mall <laughs> in Arizona. It's like they're, the, they're those lizards. <laughs> or squirrels, maybe. That'd be good. Mm. How about Franny? Oh, man. Uh, Franny is... Franny's like a groundhog, and but the way that you see groundhogs when you're a kid, you're like, what's that thing doing in our lawn? Why is it pooping? What is it eating? Why is it doing that? She's like always been there, and you cannot do anything to get rid of her. Just like join the party in your lives. <laughs> we poop in your lawn. No, it's more the always having been there thing. Well, I think that's a perfect note to end on. Pooping on lawns, man. <laughs> it's just the single unifier of the human condition. Jeez. This podcast is bad. <laughs> I disagree. Well, thank you all for submitting your questions. Thank you to all of the patrons who have endured throughout the summer in supporting the show and helping to fund this new arc. We are so, so, so excited to bring it to you next month. I know that's so soon. Because, yes, that's right. We are back to our normal schedule. So two weeks from today on September 3rd. TBD Arc 1, as it says in our spreadsheet, it's going to be out. Episode 51. Should I just tell them what it's called? No. Arc? We need some secrets. Keep it alive. Keep it fresh. I don't know. That's a that's a good tease to make him come okay, back. You're right. I okay. don't know. I don't know if I want to know. What's the arc called, Eric? The final arc is called House Party. The least stressful situations that Brandon's ever been in. Brandon loves unstressful situations. <laughs> Yeah, like house parties where Brandon and I are just in the kitchen doing dishes. God, and then the dream. we decide the societally acceptable time to leave. It's usually 9.15. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So listen, uh, listeners, in the next two weeks, if you're at a party you don't want to be at, pull up Brandon. You can leave. Yeah, it's near the decision point of after your one or second drink, but way before anyone starts dancing. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. If there's dancing at a party, I... I pretend there's an emergency and run. <laughs> I like parties. I, mean, they're, I think they're fun. <laughs> well, from your one Eric and two Brandos, we wish you a, a very good rest of your summer. And we'll see you in two weeks with episode 50. Bye, guys. Bye. That's not your thing. I just wanted to say bye. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So get out of here. Oh, get. No. no. Get. Oh, no. Okay mean get. say a polite goodbye I'm... to the host but not anyone else wrestle to convince you to stay i'm leaving get out of here eric get i'm leaving here. get out of here get out of here no get. this room is too well padded for it to sound like i'm leaving <laughs> <laughs>
Also, if someone wants to tell Jordan we're fighting, yes. just let let him know. Just text him real fast. <laughs> Call him a lad for me. Right. Are you actually texting him? Okay. <laughs> Good. That's fine.